again, it's Brian, your lunatic friend. I'm back, back in the 1970s, revisiting my own revelations through a decade that they would refer to as the Jesus Movement. For me, it's just 1973, and I've been pretending to go to college. I had a new, better-paying job at Central Services at City Hall, right across the street from the school, working in the mailroom. But at night, I would play for free in the music room. It was just 50 yards from my dormitory, but by the end of the semester, I decided that I was not going back to North Carolina. I had an aunt and uncle that lived in Fountain Valley, maybe 30 minutes up the freeway, and I would spend the summer there, and sometimes go to their church. That's where I met three girls that were singing together. Didn't have an official name, but boy, they sounded good. And it was the first time that I decided that maybe I could use some backup. You know, like Ray Charles. He had three girl singers, and with another drummer that I had met at school, we began to talk about starting a group. Best we could do is come up with a name. We were going to call ourselves The Loving Kindness. Kind of like The Loving Spoonful. But then I realized, thinking back, that with Ray Charles, the girls would be singing the hook, Hit the Road, Jack, and all he would do is add stuff like, What you say? That wasn't going to work for me. And that's when I finally got up the nerve to find out who I had to see to sing at the tent for the Jesus people. By the summer of 1973, there was another guy also doing Bible studies on Monday night, filling in for Chuck. Tom Stipe was his name. He was a songwriter with long black curly hair. He was in a band, too, called Country Faith, singing stuff like, Drove an old gray Ford from Memphis. His music was okay, but I was more enthusiastic about his Bible studies because they were more energetic as he was in his mid-twenties. And it turns out that he's the one I needed to audition for. From the first time I went to the Jesus People tent, I was highly aware that I didn't fit in very well. I had grown my hair out over the last few months, but I still looked pretty clean-cut, wore my clothes in a way that just screamed East Coast. I had, however, gone to the local Kmart and picked up a t-shirt with a sunburst on the front. I called it my Monday shirt. It was the one I wore to Monday night Bible studies every time. And a few weeks later, I had saved enough money to buy a pair of Levi's. And that's what I wore when I showed up at the tent two hours before the Bible study to sing a song for Tom. It was really informal. Tom sat on the front of the stage while I went around to the piano. It wasn't even on the stage. But somehow I knew if I got up there with an acoustic guitar and started singing, I'd come off like every hippie that ever darkened the tent flap. And with no fanfare, I launched into How's your faith when times are down? And Tom didn't even say anything. He just smiled with a big grin and simply said, why don't you play tonight? Two hours later, he would introduce me to a full house saying, Brian's gonna come out and sing a song for us. And I'd walk up from the front row and as soon as I sat down at the piano, nobody five rows back could even see me. And what made it worse is when I started singing, everyone stood up to see who it was. I would later often be referred to as that Elton John guy. Until now, it had never crossed my mind that my voice had a different tone to it than just about anyone else in Jesus music. In the coming months, they would have me play a couple of songs before the real bands came on. I'm not sure what Chuck Smith thought of my songs, but he did say one time, and now we're gonna hear some of the tribulations of Brian. And up till then, I had never realized that I wasn't singing from the same perspective of new born-again Christians. Then one night after a Monday night Bible study, I was standing at the back of the tent when a kid walks up to me, shakes my hand, and says, Hi, I'm Kevin Thompson. I really like your stuff, man. I play bass and my brother plays drums. We were kind of thinking maybe you'd get together and back you up. He was a short, pudgy guy with greasy hair and a beard. And the only reason I wasn't put off by him was because he was the first guy that I had met that played bass. Most musicians around here were into acoustic music. This is my brother, Rick. And I turned to look, expecting to see another little pudgy guy. But no, his brother was tall and thin and had straight black hair that hung clear to his 
his waist. He also had a mustache that made him look like Corey Wells from Three Dog Night. Astonished, I said, no kidding? You guys are brothers? I thought maybe they were talking about brothers in the Lord. Nope, Rick says. We both have the same mom and dad. I wasn't sure about their offer, but nobody else was offering. And I was even more reluctant when they told me that they came down from Riverside, California. That was a good hour and a half from Costa Mesa. But I agreed to meet Kevin the next week as he agreed to come to the school to meet me. I had moved back into the dorms, assuming that I would just start the next semester. I remember I was sitting on the steps in the lobby between the two dormitories, two towering seven-floor buildings, one for girls and one for guys, with a common lobby. When Kevin Thompson walked in, I was absolutely embarrassed. A lot of kids in the lobby turned to look. He looked like he was still wearing the same clothes that he had on last week. He would have fit really well into a grunge band. There were significant differences between the Jesus people of Calvary Chapel and the Christian college kids at Southern California College. Now I don't remember what I was dressed up for when Kevin Thompson walked in, but new styles were coming out in 1973. For one, there were baggies. They were pants that started wide at the top and had big cuffs on the bottom, and you wore them with platform shoes. Shirts were flowery or paisley and had puffy sleeves, and ties were wide and made of velvet. And at school, I was wearing all that stuff. Yeah, I was taking cues from Sly and the Family Stone. They were bringing the flashy stuff. I'd been following them since high school. Hot fun in the summertime. Bip, 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 when I want to. And I am everyday people. And of course there was, thank you for letting me be myself again. It's probably why I love Psalm 150 so much, because that band had a sly feel. But when Kevin Thompson walked in, it surely didn't look like the perfect opportunity. But when he brought his brother down and we set up in the chapel to run a few songs, the power it brought to the music was astonishing. And from just three guys. And it didn't hurt that Rick and Kevin had been playing together since they were kids. I got the feeling that I needed to play this hand, and I realized that I needed to stop looking around at what everyone else was doing. It was time to start my own future. The biggest risk I would ever take is to drop out of college to start a band. No one in their right mind would say that was a good idea. But watching other people's success stories will always be easier than making your own. If you're getting something out of my story, leave me a comment under the episode. Thanks for supporting Nutshell Sermons in any way you see fit.